Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. All right, how y'all doing this morning? Good, 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 good. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. Um, Man, good to see y'all this morning. Uh, just, uh, just a way reminder, I uh, love our family time together, uh, but my wife's name is Natalie. She's right over here. Y'all may y'all know Natalie? Yes, Lord, come on, come on. She is the bling of the king, my heavenly honey bun, sanctified sweetheart, my Bible-believing baby. Come on now. And y'all know her cooking is anointed by God. Can I get a witness? Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But, but the wisdom that flows from her is awesome as well. Uh, so if we have any, I know everybody, you know, different chapel days are different. Do we have any professors, you know, teachers, anything like that in the room? Would you just stand up? I know not everybody can make it. I get all the, I'm not trying to point those that aren't here. But anyway, just saying, there uh, we go. Woo! Man. Hey, thank you all for pointing this to Jesus. That's great. Awesome. Hey, look. I am so excited today, but I'm going to do something a little different. I didn't have this planned. Is there anybody in the room that just maybe just maybe yesterday, today, this week, just kind of feels a little bit heavy, don't even know why, right? Maybe not even know why. Maybe there's something going on back home. Maybe there's something going inside. Maybe there's just a lot of stuff at the end of the semester. Maybe you're homesick. I don't know. You fill in the blank. But part of turning our eyes to Jesus is just being honest about that. Anybody feeling that way? Kind of going through that? It's okay if you're not. Y'all look around. Hold your hand. Look around real quick and just really fast. I mean, maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds, six hours. I don't care. And just turn to, to that person with the hand up and just pray over them. Even if you don't know their name, right? But let's turn our eyes to Jesus just by praying quickly over the person who had their hand up. You hold your hand up again so we can see. Just want you to know you're seen and we love you and you're not alone. Okay. Turn, and nobody left out. Just turn real quick to your neighbor and pray over them real quick. Lord, you're a great burden bearer, and so we give those to you, whatever that looks like. We turn our eyes to you, fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Um, we draw near to you because you promised to draw near to us. How great a joy it is that we get to gather together and just hear what you have to say to us, Lord, because that's really all that matters. We could hear from Paul all day long. It wouldn't do any good, but what you say makes a whole lot of difference. So Lord, help our brothers and sisters who may be struggling a lot right now with whatever it is because you deeply care for them. So thank you, Father. I pray that any spirit that's not from you would go wherever you tell it to go, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, it's your, we are yours. You don't dwell in temples made with hands, Lord, but you dwell in us as believers. So, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your Bibles, real quick, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, after the book of Genesis, you can find it from there. If you don't have a Bible, look on with your neighbor. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. And as you're going there, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, so uh, y'all know, if y'all don't know, I got five kids. And uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago when it first came out, I don't really actually remember when, but my 12-year-old Levi, we were all watching, have you all seen that, that, that Disney play, that new movie, uh, Mulan, like the live action version of the old school Mulan? Look how most of y'all went. I don't know. Anyway, it's an old school Disney movie. They made it into like live action people. So we're sitting there watching it. On the movie in Mulan, they have these, these people in there that have what they call chi. Okay, and all chi is is almost like if you had supernatural powers. 
Like the, the person could literally like scale and run up a wall at full speed and like jump over the wall. Like it was kind of cool. So Levi, after the movie's over, thinks to himself, I got chi. So he takes off at a dead sprint from the living room all the way through the kitchen into the dining room, dead sprint, puts a foot out on the wall, fully believing that he has chi and just poof, puts his foot right through the wall. It's big. He comes up to him and he goes, uh, hey, dad, I need to show you something. I, uh, I thought I had chi. And I looked at the wall and I said, well, at least you tried. <laughs> so I said, but boy, you ain't got chi. I said, next time go outside and chi the tree. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Levi, in that moment, believed the movies kind of, so to speak, was his model that he followed. And he really believed by, by fixing his eyes on those actors, on those stars, on that screen, he really believed that he could do what they did. You see, it makes a difference what model you follow. See, Levi thought that was the thing. And in the end, as he imitated that, it just led to things that were broken and in need of repair. The model that you and I follow in our life makes a big difference, doesn't it? And I have a question for us today. Is the model that we're following in our lives, is it the movies or is it our maker? Is it the Hollywood stars or the high king of heaven? Is it the screen or is it the savior? Because if we want to live a life, as we've talked about, man, Alexis just nailed it a couple weeks ago, a week last week about being someone who knows Christ and makes Him known. Or Dr. Murray talking about God's heart for all people to the ends of the earth. And as Dr. McWilliams really just brought us back to the Scripture so well and just said, look, it's, Jesus says, come here. Who we follow makes a big difference, and who we model our life after makes a difference. And while the Bible tells all of us to imitate people as they imitate Christ, that's awesome, multiple times. As I look through the Scriptures, I cannot find anywhere but one place. I only find one person, one person that the Bible commands us or invites us to fix our eyes on to look to as the model with which we follow. Only one person. Because as you well know, I will disappoint you. And I'm sorry about that. I don't mean to. Your awesome professors will let you down. You'll let each other down. You'll let yourself down and disappoint you. And I hate to say this because I know it's really hard. Your parents will disappoint you and let you down, as you well know. But there is one person, one person that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, that we're to look to and turn to and fix our eyes on as the model that we follow to live a life of high impact for the kingdom of God. And that person is Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a how-to person. I mean, I, I'm so much of, okay, Lord, how do I do this? How-to, how-to. That's not bad. But I often wonder, is God so much a how-to God or more of a come-to God? Meaning, come to me and I will. And as we know, when God says, I will, He always does it that He teaches us along the way. But if Jesus is our model to follow, I'm just going to be real honest with y'all. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm, I'm just going to do it. There came a point in my life, y'all, that I just got really tired 
Really tired of all this, all the methods that everybody was, was given to me. Of, here's 12 ways of how you grow in your faith. I'm not saying they're terrible. Here's, here's how you, you know, here's 10 steps to doing this. And I feel like there was just all these methods and methods and methods of how I make a difference for the cause of Christ or how I know Christ and make him known and all those things. I felt like, like everybody was trying to give me all these steps and all this kind of stuff. And I felt like in the end, I was overstimulated on how-tos. And I felt like God was saying, I shared this a couple weeks ago at the house, I felt like God was going, Paul, you're not simple enough yet. But you're way too complex when it comes to following me. It's like G.K. Chesterton said, we, we, rush, we, we rush towards complexity but we yearn for simplicity. And I said, it's got to be, a, it's not that it's not hard, but it's got to be more simple than this, than what I've, I've constantly been told, like all these times of all these methods and all this kind of stuff. And I finally, I just kind of realized like, man, I'm looking at all the wrong things. Finally, I just said, here's the simple thing of it. Let me just turn my eyes to Jesus and see what he's doing, see what he's about. And that sounds way too simple, doesn't it? But here's what I saw with Jesus. You ready? And <laughs> if you're taking notes, you're like, all right, I'm done. Here it is. You ready? Here's Jesus, how he does it. You ready? This is really, it's really simple. What I hear my father say, I say it. And what I see my father do, I do it. That's it. That's it. That's the simple way that Jesus lived and lives his life. When he was on earth, what I hear my father say, I say it. And what I see my father do, I do it. So if we're looking at Jesus, if he's the model that we follow, if we want to fix our eyes on him, what do we see him being about? So here we go. You ready in your Bible? Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So if we're watching Jesus, what do we see him up to? What do we see him doing? If he's the model that we follow, if we're going to fix our eyes on him very simply, right? If we're going to look to him, here's what I see him doing. He lived a life that was up close. He lived a life that was up close to people. Because if you look at Jesus, as you know, he was over there. He, he would go to the lepers. He would go touch a leper and spend time there. He would welcome children. Let me think about it. if a child ran up to the stage, he, he wouldn't stop teaching. It wouldn't be, I mean, it wouldn't be like, you can't come up here. Like with the paralytic that was laid down in front of him. He didn't go, what are you doing? I'm teaching here. He just simply goes, hey, your sins are forgiven. But he would welcome children and let them sit on his lap. He would go, as we saw right here in the passage, and he would have meal times. It'd be like your calf time over there, right? He would go and he would have meals with people. Now, hold on a second. Jesus is going to die for our sin. He's going to be crucified. He's going to suffer more than I would say, maybe more than any one human being has suffered on the face of the earth in every way imaginable. He's fixed to go die, and yet he views a meal time with someone as of great eternal importance. 
Because remember, he's the model that we're following. He's the one that I'm looking at him. When I was a kid, I would look at my dad, and I used to wear my socks real up tall just because my dad did, right? I, yeah, thankfully I've grown out of that. But anyway, I would, I would eat $1,000 salad dressing on my salad. Why? Because I was watching. I, liked to, I would serve people because I would be watching my dad because I knew he wasn't just looking at the person in front of him. He was looking at someone much higher than himself. And I was like, man, i got to do that. So everything became like this child. If Unless you and me, unless we, I, unless you, Become like little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, is it possible that we have grown old in our faith and our God is more childlike at heart than we are? Because Jesus just watched his father. Okay. Yeah, okay. Here's what he said. Is it that simple? It might be too complex for us because we have become more pharisaical than we dare admit. We care more about how it looks and appears on the outside than simply running to God ourselves. You understand what I'm saying here? Is it possible that we have gotten so focused on all the things that we think are wrong about everything around here and we have failed to look at all that is right about Christ? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because He gave us something that is up close. He would sit and wash the feet of someone that was dirty. He would talk to the people that nobody else wanted to talk to. He would visit the places that nobody else wanted to visit. Because He did not give us an upfront type of plan. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, 8% of the body of Christ has the gift of, of spiritual leadership. 8%. That is the number one thing that we focus on today. Are we, am I lying? We focus on this upfront thing. Praise God. I mean, look, I want to, I'm like y'all, you guys are tracking. I want to be like y'all because y'all are, I think y'all are listening. Other than that, you're going, do, do, do. We're sorry, this talk cannot be completed. I'm not sure what you're doing, but something's happening, right? But but hear me out. I'm not downing this, man. Praise God. Look, I was sitting with Dr. Murray. Y'all understand, Dr. Murray, he was here last Tuesday, this past Tuesday, uh, was it two days ago. If you haven't heard that, please go back and listen to it. I still remember messages that God spoke through him. Matter of fact, I love Jesus more today because he gave me a message from John 2 when he was the president that said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And when Jesus said, join him here, guess what we did? We did it because I remember. So I'm not downing this. Some of you will be called to this up here. Oh, but ask God to take you lower in that. But the majority of you, it will not be that. But Jesus didn't model for us this upfront plan, but he modeled for us an up-close one. He wants to be up close. Now, remember what Matthew chapter 1, 23 says, the virgin will conceive and give birth and will, and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What was that again? God with us. Is that not what our, our verse, our theme verse this year is? Why could we be strong and courageous and take heart? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you. Now, I know. Hey, Dr. Lamphy, I know. I'm not saying. Hear me out. Is it possible that maybe we could learn a lot more from Mary than we ever want to dare to dream? I'm not saying in the exact same way, of course. But Mary carried Jesus for nine months, and then gave, she, she like housed Jesus legitimately and physically, and then gave birth. Wait a second. In Christ, don't you do the same, but in a different way, so to speak? You are the temple of the living God. You house the living Christ in you if you're in Christ. 
right, all right, I shouldn't do this. Who is the oldest person in the room that's a believer? I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just, you know, I'm going to celebrate you. <laughs> Who, who's the oldest? Who's that in front of you? Who is that? I can't even see them. Is that, that how old they are? Hold on, see how? You ain't the oldest person. Dr. Murray, how old are you? 78 young. Let's just say that for just, just for sake of time. Dr. Murray, 78 years old, loves Jesus, houses the living God. Is there, hey, I'm not trying to like embarrass you. Is there like a newer believer, like say a younger believer in the room, maybe in the last few weeks or months or whatever? Anybody? Nobody? Anybody in the last year? Maddie, in the last year. All right, now watch this. Maddie, within the last year, and we know Maddie loves her some Jesus. Come on now. Maddie, in the last year, Dr. Murray, 78, been a believer quite a while. Now watch this. In the context of this, though, both of them house the living God. Both of them. What does that mean? That means that everywhere you and I go, we carry Christ with us. Everywhere. From across the aisle, to the quad, to the cafeteria, to the dorm, to downtown, to the neighbor, to the nation. You see? That's the plan. Why does God, is God with us? Why does He want to be with Because He wants to be with you wherever He leads you and wherever He goes with you. Like, I love having my kids with me. And I'm sorry today that many of you, that, maybe that's not the case, but here's what I mean. Even if I can be a decent dad, I'm still like far away from how awesome a dad God is, how parent He is. He wants to be with you. That's the plan. He wants to be up close. And He didn't give us an upfront plan, but an up close one. If I were to ask you the question, who has impacted your life the most in your life from, from, a, from a faith standpoint, or just any standpoint, I almost would guarantee that it's those people that were the most up close and personal with you, correct? It could be parents, it could be somebody from here, it could be whatever, but it's the people who were up close with you in some form or fashion that spent time with you, right? I think about my papaw. Um, yeah, I had a papaw mamma. You know from Mississippi. Come on, whatever. Anyway, so I remember my papaw. I spent the night over at his house, and he would, I hear him about 2 3 o'clock in the morning as a young boy. He would be shuffling through the, you know, through the, through the hallway. I could hear him. And he'd go in there, and he would, he would be in the kitchen for a couple hours, and he would be, literally have about six pots of coffee. I'm not joking with you. I think his heart was literally run on coffee. So anyway, so he, he was there, and I'd come in there, and he'd have the Psalms open, the Bible open. Now remember, he was just a normal dude. I mean, he, he worked at soul conservation. It wasn't anything like you could say, oh, he was a, whatever. So, but he'd see me sitting there, and here's what, when I went into him, he would be sitting in the Psalms just like this, just thinking. And then he'd talk about that. And he'd talk about the church and, you know, like how much God... And then he'd just do that. And then we'd talk about something from his past. It wouldn't be anything great or spectacular. But, you know, he never told me to go back to bed. He invited me up close to him because he was looking at someone greater than himself. And he knew the model to follow wouldn't tell a young child, get out of here, I don't want you here. It's my time. It's my time. No, he invited me in. And just listening to him talk about the Psalms, I didn't understand a word he was saying. But you know what? Of the span of my following Jesus, there's one main part in the Scriptures that in my highest of heights of joy with God and in my lowest, darkest, deepest times, you know, you know where God always seems to bring me? To the Psalms. Because it was there, even as a young boy, I saw that God was a God who wanted to be up close. And I learned that through my papa. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. You and I can impress people from a distance. We can. 
We can look really well and impress people. Man, that person's God. That person's awesome. But you impact people up close. That's where the impact happens. And God is not a God far away. He is a God up close. That's his heart. So not only that, not only is God up close as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, we realize that God does things in the everyday spaces and places of life, doesn't he? He's a God of the man. It's not what it's called mainstream. It's all over. Look what Jesus did. He said Jesus went about doing good. And I just want to remind you this morning. I'm not telling you something you already know. I'm just reminding you that your stage may look completely different when it comes to you and Jesus. Not only is he in you and everywhere you go, he's with you always. And you bring him up next to people that I'll never get up next to. People can look at me and go, I got like a, I got like a preacher guy. He's like the penguins of Madagascar. Step away slowly, boys, cute and cuddly. But not with you. Not with you. I legit had a former student a long time ago when I was a teacher. A long time ago, he was at a game, and this didn't bother me at all. He had a beard in his hand. He hadn't seen me in years. And he's sitting there drinking. We're talking. I don't think he knew it was me. Like, that's how much there. You know, anyway, so, but I was sitting there talking. And all of a sudden, I said, yeah, man, God's been doing this right here. It's pretty cool, man. I'm glad you're doing well. And all of a sudden, as I was talking, he puts his man behind his back, puts the beard behind his back. <laughs> because he, he knew us, the Bible guy. But here's the thing. That may not be your stage. But your stage, the, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Everywhere your feet take you is technically your stage because the, the world is His. That's what I love about the choir that's saying, right? This is my Father's world. And everywhere you go is the platform where God can make a difference in and through your life. I mean, look at the places that Jesus walked. He walked in synagogues, maybe like chapels. He would walk down the streets, maybe like the quad and down the sidewalks. Of course, we saw here earlier, he would be at mealtimes and tables just like in the calf for you, right? He would go maybe down by, by, by the rivers and the, and the seas and, and bodies of water. He would go up to mountains. He would go all over the place. He wasn't just, he was in one kind of like state maybe, but he wasn't just confined to one building in one place. He went all over the place. And I wonder, is it possible sometimes for us that we, have, we are more Old Testament in our thinking than we care to believe? That we think it has to be in one spot. It has to be there. When Jesus said, you can worship God in spirit and in truth anywhere. No matter where your feet may take you. I just want to remind you that you are not second rate in the kingdom of God. There's no more room for Jesus in me than it is in you. You don't have more of Jesus in you than I have in, in, in me. He is with you. He's with you. He's with you in your highest of joy. He is with you in your lowest of lows. He is with you when the, the, the arrows of the enemy are shooting at you. He is with you when you're homesick. He is with you when you are weighed down with school. He is with you when you feel like nobody cares and nobody sees. He is with you with the internal struggle that you have to look a, a, a certain way spiritually in order to be useful for the kingdom of God. He's with you no matter where you are. And lastly, when I look at Jesus, when I fix my eyes on him, I don't just see that he loves to be up close. I don't just see that he's, it's here, there, and everywhere. But I see that it's one life at a time. Yes, he had crowds around him, absolutely. <laughs> but, but he would reach out to one leper in the midst of a bunch. He would focus on one woman at the well. He would look at maybe one blind Bartimaeus when there were others around. But he focused on one life at a time. That's why he says if a man has a hundred sheep in Matthew 18, and, and there's one that wanders away, he wouldn't he leave the 99 and go find the one that wandered off? 
Here's my question. Would Jesus stop everything right now? Our little time-crunched frame here, the way that we've always done it. Would Jesus stop everything right now if there were one who had wandered off from him? Would he not stop all the service if there were one who would come up and say, I'm straight away. If there were not one that we knew that were over there in that part of the campus, would we, would we not, would he not leave all of us sitting right here to go and find that one who had wandered away? Would he not look at, find the one person who is wrestling with their faith and doubting internally and doesn't want anyone to know? He highly values one. Do we? Do you? Do I? Do I highly value that one person? I think we live in a time in church context that it's the bigger the better. I'm not saying that Jesus won't speak to the crowds. He's doing that too. But I think we have failed sometimes, I know I have, failed to value that so smaller things, that one person that just simply needs to know that God sees them. Now, I need you to be reminded of something this morning, just like I need a reminder, that Jesus doesn't just see the one out there. He sees you too. He's not asking you just to go win the world. He's just asking you to come to him. And he's coming to you too. He sees you. You're a, you're a one very valuable life to God. I remember back in the day, I grew up in a, in a little small town called Raymond, Mississippi. Okay? And I went to a little, little small school that had more cows than people in it. And that's a true story. <laughs> and when you hit a home run in the baseball, going to get those baseballs in that cow patch with that bull, that was interesting. <laughs> so, um, paper, rock, scissor. Um, so, but I remember sitting there as a seventh grade boy in a class of about eh, 25, 30 people, seventh graders. See, at that time, most people, like I was not, let's put it this way, school was not my forte. I was sports all the time. Now, that may not be your story, but that was mine. So let's just say this, two plus two is five. You got what I'm saying? Nobody gave me any hope of doing anything educationally. That just wasn't me. I was that, no offense, not to the jocks here. That was just my story. I, the dumb jock, that was me, right? The shoe fits, give it to somebody, right? That's, that was me. But the only A I ever got in high school was in the form of a greeting. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Be good, see you later. That kind of thing. That's me, right? But here's the thing, though. That still stuck with me. I never tried. I never, I never thought I'd ever amount to anything when it came to like that kind of stuff. I was always like, you got to swing for the fence. That was me. But all of a sudden in seventh grade, there was one teacher named Miss Noble. And one day in particular, in the everyday places of a small classroom in Raymond, Mississippi, she looked at and said, hey, hey uh, Paul, would you like to stand up and read? And I'm like, can I read? I mean, seriously, like I... Okay, yeah. So nobody's ever asked me that before. I was terrified. So I got up and I read something small, you know, nothing big. She looks at me in front of everybody and she says, Paul, you are a very good public reader. And I sat back down. Nobody ever told me that before. The next day she goes, anybody like to read? I went, I'll do it, Miss Noble. I'll read every day after that. But here's why I tell you that. You see, she had no idea. She had no, she was a new teacher. She had no idea the labels that I had carried with me as a seventh grade boy. 
She had no idea the fact that even in my mind, I'd already given up the fact that I could ever like do anything with education in school. <laughs> that, was, that was just not for me. But that one little tiny, little tiny drop to that one little boy in seventh grade, in that one little classroom, in that one little town, in that one state, in that one moment of encouragement, that almost 30 years later, I still remember it. She didn't know that God would use me to publicly read places, to read his word places. But God knew, because it's never just about one life, is it? But that one life and that one moment and that one time, that one encouragement, what God can do with that would be like my oldest daughter when she was younger. I put a rock in her hand. I said, throw it out in the pond. And that thing hit it, and then as you know, it would ripple effect all the way throughout as long as it would go. You and Jesus, your eyes learning to be fixed on Jesus, learning to look to Him, that He would be the main thing. And that's not a pressure, that's an invitation, right? To learn to fix my eyes on Him and whatever that looks like, that He's the model that I follow. In that one moment, your life, like that rock in the hand of my daughter, tossed by faith in the world, could literally lead in every direction this eternal ripple effect that would impact not just one, but who knows how many people. The cause of Christ. Uh, Who knows, though? (laughs) Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. We learn to look to Jesus and fix our eyes on Him. Maybe we could say like David, with our God, we could jump over and scale a wall. Just maybe. But I will tell you one thing. Is it possible that we have our eyes fixed on ourselves? Or our past? Or our circumstances? Are you filling the blank? And somehow along the way, our eyes have just gotten a little bit off from fixing them on Christ. Turn your eyes to Jesus. I love what they're saying today, and it's, uh, it's just been on my heart a lot lately too, is that when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, right? That, that's, that's that song, The Heart of Worship. Hear what he says. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Ready? Where it's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things you think you made it when it's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. Lord, this chapel's here to make me what I want. Lord, this school is here to give me the degree I want so that I will serve you the way that I think you want, but I want. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for you. I'm sorry for the thing I have made this. When this is all about you. It's all about you. Jesus. The Lord. I'm sorry for what I've made this, Lord. I even make preaching about me. Is it going to be good? Is it going to do this? Is it... And even that, Lord, is about me. I'm really sorry. 
I'm sorry, Lord, that I've made quote-unquote spiritual warfare about me. I feel the attacks of the enemy and I can't get my eyes off of myself and how I feel. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've made the homework that's meant to be about you. I'm sorry that I've made those projects about me and how stressed I feel about that. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've made all my relationships about me and not about you. Sorry for the thing I've made it, Lord. And I thank you that you're gracious to forgive. You're gracious to not like make me turn it, but gracious to take me maybe by the face and just lift my eyes to you this morning. And would you do that in my life? And would you do that in our lives? And would you do that continually on campus and make this everything that you want it to be? You said, seek you, and we would find you when we seek you with all our hearts. So, Lord, show us where we've gotten off track. And maybe you, maybe today as a family, there are some of us in the room right now that you might want to ask Jesus, maybe you already know, Jesus, how have I turned my eyes away from you right now? What am I focusing on today instead of you? Why don't you ask him that right now? Jesus. What am I fixing my eyes on today instead of you? Lord, would you show us? Would you bring us back to the heart of worship where it's all about you? It's all about you, Jesus. 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 In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. You are dismissed. Have a great lunch. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.